Morning. Welcome this to the show interview edition of the TSN Animation Show. I'm your host, Aaron Rothstein, and we've got a ton of great guests. This is the TSN MMA with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. The World Wide Web, the outside galaxy of Earth, where time is not a factor. These interviews get done when we drop the podcast. It's not at 8 o'clock on Thursday. It's whenever the podcast is complete. And it is now complete, and you get to hear all of these great interviews in a star-studded edition of the show Let's start off with the big boss man, UFC President Dana White, talking about everything going on in the Ultimate Fighting Championship and beyond, including the boxing exhibition between Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather, which hopefully is far in the rearview mirror after this conversation. I wasn't a big fan. I wasn't a big fan last week when we talked about it, but it is what it is. This is what uh, one facet of boxing that we're going to have to start getting used to. Also joined by the middleweight champion of the world, Israel Adesanya, as well as his challenger, Marvin Vittori, a big rematch from several years ago that happened in the exact same arena. They both join us on the TSN MMA show, as does Nate Diaz, who's returning to action to face Leon Edwards, a very interesting opponent. And I asked him why Leon Edwards felt like the right fit. And he answered in Nate Diaz fashion, of course. And we're joined by Bilal Muhammad. Remember the name taking on Demian Maya and what might be Demian Maya's final mixed martial arts bout. We'll have to see if that is the case after this weekend. And, of course, joined by the lone, or well, not the lone Canadian, because Alexis Davis is on the card. So I, I take that back. But Hakeem Dawadu joins us to discuss his upcoming bout with Movsar Evloev. Really appreciate all of our guest time. We'll start off with the big boss man, Dana White, who joins us now on the TSN MMA Show. We're on the heels of UFC 263, and I'm joined by UFC President Dana White, who's in the UFC war room, and we've got a war on our hands this weekend. Marvin Vittori getting a rematch against Israel Adesanya, and I saw the first fight recently, and that looked like a totally different Marvin Vittori. I feel like people are underestimating this guy going into this, especially from a matchup standpoint. Do you feel like from a matchup standpoint, he's the toughest one for Adesanya in the division? Yeah, I, I, I do. Um, you know, if you look at the first fight, like you said, uh, it was a very, very close fight, and Vittori isn't even... Neither one of them are that fight, uh, you know, are the same fighter. They've both gotten better. So I, I expect an absolute war on uh, on Saturday night. I'm excited about this fight. If Vittori does win, he'll be the first Italian champion in UFC history. What does that market mean to the UFC? Yeah, I don't know yet. You know, obviously, uh, you know, I, I, I don't really... You know, there's tons of Italian-Americans in the United States and tons of Italians around the world. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see uh, how they support their own if Marvin Vittori should uh, should win this fight. I know Lorenzo Fertitta is excited for it. <laughs> yeah, a lot of Italian-Americans. An Italian champion yeah. for 20 years. Italian people will always gravitate towards, if you look at how much they love Italy in the Euro Cup and in the World so Cup, it, you know, I mean, they, there's parades. So true. So with this particular matchup, you look at what Jan Bojovic did to Israel, and it's kind of a similar skill set to Marvin Vittori. Do you think that Marvin learned something and took something away from that fight? I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, you know, it, it's, it, I, I think we can't underestimate how hard it is to move up a weight class. It's, you know, when, when you move up a weight class in this sport, it's not like moving up one or two pounds. I mean, these guys move up, you know, big weight so it's 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 very hard to do and uh you, you can't you can't judge him on this fight after his last fight you just can't do it now i want to ask you about two other middleweights i'll start off with robert whitaker i spoke to marvin vittori last week and i watched an old interview with vittori before gastelum fought whitaker and in the interview he said i'm gonna fight israel next because robert whitaker doesn't want to fight israel now i don't know how much how true that is but we do know that Whitaker turned the fight down. Where does he stand in your eyes in the middleweight division? Now, it's not that Whitaker didn't want to fight Israel. He, obviously, he wants to fight Israel. He wants to get a shot at the title again. It's just timing-wise. You, you know how Whitaker is, man. When Whitaker's one of these guys that, uh, you know, when something's going on in his personal life that he has to deal with, he deals with it. A lot of other people put personal stuff on, on the back burner to, to, to get in there and fight. 
and a lot of sacrifices he's made for his family uh, in, the, in the previous years that I don't think a lot of people know much about. Yeah, yeah. He's listen. It, he's the number one guy in the world. That's not going to change during this fight. And whoever wins, Whitaker will be next. But in no way, shape, or form is Whitaker not trying to fight Israel out of Simon. Now, the second middleweight I want to ask you about is Paulo Costa. He recently posted this on Twitter after it was announced that Kelvin Gastelum would be taking his place in an upcoming fight against Jared Cannonier. He wrote, UFC needs to pay me as a main fighter to have me fighting in main events. YouTubers are showing all disgrace to the business. Just to be clear, I, I have never signed or locked up that contract. Why the UFC announced this fight uh, that I didn't sign, that's my question. Uh, how do you respond to, to that quote? Yeah, um, I don't know. if I, I, I don't think that's true. I think he did sign because we extended him. We extended his contract for turning down the fight. But listen, don't fight. We, 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 I have to offer you three fights a year. This is, this, is my, this is my situation with all these guys. I offer you three fights a year. He doesn't have to fight. No problem. Don't fight. Yeah. Guess what? You should have started a YouTube channel when you were 13 years old and built your name up and everything else, and you could have had the fight on Saturday night. But you didn't. You're not a YouTuber. You're a fighter. And this is what you do for a living. Or you don't. It's up to you. And you're in no position to be talking about crazy money after your last performance. Okay? So you either want to fight or you don't want to fight. No problem. You don't want to fight, you can hang out and do whatever you want. When you're ready, you let me know. Well, that was going to be my next question. You know, you, you've seen everything in this business. But does it ever surprise you that people come at you from this uh, perspective when they're not really in a position of leverage, as you mentioned, I mean, he's coming off of a loss. He hasn't fought in some time. It's not even a position of leverage. Listen, if that you signed a contract, you're under you're under contract. That's the way you feel. Let me tell you what. You, you know what I say all the time. We we have fights every weekend, and if you want to be busy, um, you know, you can you can fight every weekend if you want to. Get out of your contract and go do whatever you want to do. Go fight. You can go fight. YouTubers, you can uh, you can do whatever you want. Well, when you say get out of your contract, would you let him out of his contract if that's what he wanted to do? Sure, he can fight his way out of his contract. He has a contract. What about oh, so, I'm so fight it out. I understand. Contracts just because they want you know they're mad that a YouTube kid is fighting and making money. You should be happy for the kid. Good for him. Kid put himself in a position to where he was able to fight Floyd Mayweather and make a, make, make a bunch of money. You're mad. You just, you just came off a, a, a ridiculous, horrible performance. Come back and put yourself in a position to do something big. We spoke back in December about Charles Oliveira and Tony Ferguson. And I said, man, I wish this was a five-round fight. It's going to be dynamic. And it was dynamic, but it was only three rounds. You had mentioned at the time that you and uh, the matchmakers had discussed having five-round non-main event uh, fights on pay-per-views. This one's not even the co-main event, but it's five rounds. We're getting five rounds of Nate Diaz taking on Leon Edwards. Going forward, is this going to be more regular, or is it kind of a wait-and-see approach uh, based on this particular fight? What's the question? Diaz and Edwards, five rounds. We talked about right. this in December, about non-title yeah. fights being five rounds that weren't the main event on a pay-per-view. Is that well, something that you're looking regular? to do more regularly? I mean, listen, this was one of those, you know, they asked for it, they wanted to do it, plus... You know, they got bounced around a couple times. Edwards has had the worst luck of anybody, uh, you know, in the sport in the last year and a half. So we did it. I'm not saying uh, I'm going to do it again, but I'm not saying I'm never going to do it again either. The Ultimate Fighter is back. And a lot of people were talking about how they were hoping for a more dramatic pairing, I guess, for the coaches. But when I look at it from this perspective, Alexander Volkanovsky, of all the champions in the UFC, is one of the guys that people don't know a whole lot about. But you look at his last four fights, Max Holloway twice, Chad Mendez, Jose Aldo. Those are three of the five best featherweights of all time. Is part of the selection process for the coaches to have a new vehicle to promote them, to get the people at home to know them? I think in Volkanovsky's case, uh, that, that would be particularly needed for his division. Well, it obviously does that. But um, what we're looking for is, is guys that can actually go in and, you know, mentor these kids actually coach them show them who you know who, who can actually make a difference in their in their careers and uh you couldn't ask for two better guys than, than ortega and volkanovsky and you know yeah there might not be you know the, the the type of drama that you would get from 
you know, maybe a Colby and an Usman. But uh, I guarantee you the fight's going to be badass. Now I'm going somewhere with this. Do you like burgers? I love burgers. All right. So hear me out on this. The Ultimate Fighter and the Contender Series. I was asked about this last week, and the way that I compared them was, you've got the Ultimate Fighter is kind of like the craft burger. You know, it's made in front of you. You can choose your toppings, kind of customize it. And the Contender Series is more like McDonald's or fast food. You know, you got the, the burgers on the conveyor belt. They're going through. Is that the upside of being on the Ultimate Fighter versus the Contender Series? You get more of a spotlight for an entire season. As you mentioned, it's on the ticker uh, on ESPN now for, for uh, the Ultimate Fighter. And I think the Contender Series probably will be as well. But you, you really get to be in the homes of the viewers for weeks on end where they get to know you. Is that what you believe to be the upside of being on the Ultimate Fighter? 100%. It's a deep dive into uh, who these people are, how they're built, their personalities. Um, you don't get to see any of that. No matter how good the feature is on the Contender Series, you don't really get to know who these guys are. Um, the, the Ultimate Fighter is, is, there's nothing like it. I can't see the show ever being, uh, you know, uh, dated or, you know, where that show doesn't work. If you, if you like fighting, if that's what you really like, I mean, there couldn't be a better show on for you to watch than The Ultimate Fighter. And I understand if, if you've been around for a while and you get burnt out on The Ultimate Fighter, oh, I've seen this, I've seen that. What's pretty crazy about it is every season, if you think of all the seasons that we've done, not just here, but internationally too, it's over 30-something seasons, right? Something different happens every season. Something unexpected happens, you know, every single season. And um, the fights are good. The, the, you know, the reality is usually good. I just don't see where this show... And if you think about the millions of people, millions, that became UFC fans because of the ultimate fighter, it's always going to drag in new people that, 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 that uh, you know, never even thought they would become fans of, of mixed martial arts. Now, I want to ask you about John Jones. Richard Schaefer was announced to be, I guess, his, his counsel, so to speak, going forward in this business. Have you guys spoken to Richard Schaefer as of yet about the future of John Jones? We did. He, he came in here uh, last week. Well, anything to share? <laughs> I'll leave that up to them. So where would you say we're at at this point in time? Is, is well, there, where there... we're at is John Jones came out and said he doesn't want to fight until next year anyway. So Okay, so, so this is on hold for now. Yeah. You also mentioned that um, when you were interviewed by Mike Swick last week, that Hamza Shemaev was going to come in and, and talk to you guys. Has he arrived in Las Vegas as of yet? Yeah. I, well, I think he's supposed to be here this week. Is it this week? You know? Yeah. Yeah. This week. When do you expect him to come back? Or are you going to talk to him about that, see what his health is like before you make that decision? No, we're looking at like August. Going back to uh, the heavyweight division. In Ganu versus Lewis, is that booked as of yet for August? Yeah. Yeah, it's booked. I, wait, no. We're still, yeah, we still have one thing that needs to be taken care of before the fight is, is signed. But that's the fight we're going with, yeah. And I think you had said you were looking at Francis doing that in, in Houston? Cameroon, I think, right now. Okay, so you need a signature. <laughs> we need Francis, yeah, waiting for, well, we, we, he can sign it in Cameroon, but we're waiting for Francis to come home. And you're expecting that to be in Derek Lewis's backyard in Houston? Yeah. And uh, finally, yesterday, we had a, a boxing exhibition, I guess they, they called it, between uh, Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul. Did you get a chance to watch it? And uh, if so, yeah. you know, what, what, was, what were your thoughts walking away from it? I didn't, but I heard about it. Um, you know, I, I heard it went the distance. You know, I, listen, I, these guys figured out how, how to get people to pay 50 bucks for it. And, you know, good for them. There's always, uh, all, when, you, when you put on these kind of fights, I said this to you guys before, I'll say it, there's always going to be a market for these type of fights. Imagine if Kim Kardashian wanted to fight Amanda Nunes. How fucking big do you think that fight would be? <laughs> It'd be crazy. I mean, I, I don't want to know. Uh, I, don't, I know how that one would go, unfortunately, but uh, I don't yeah. think they're going to book that one. But I do understand what you're saying. Everybody would want to watch it. Exactly. There, there's always going to be a market for those type of fights. And, uh, you know, if you can pull them off and get people to pay 50 bucks for them, good for you. It's, it's, just, it's just not what I do. It's not the business that I'm in. 
it's sometimes hard for me to rationalize because on Saturday I watched Ponzinibbio versus Baeza, and it's you know one of the best fights of the year. And then I watch that, and I I think why are so many more people interested in this than you know the real stuff versus, I guess well whatever that is. But it's not you you don't you don't I shouldn't say you don't pull in the real fight fans because some fight fans do turn in to see that, but that's where you get more of the you know, you know. Uh, you got like soccer moms and shit tuning in to, to see that kind of stuff. Um, and it, it's just, it's just, it's I, whenever I put on an event, the last thing I want is fans turning off the TV going, that sucked. I don't, I can't believe they got me for 50 bucks for that. Blah, 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 blah. You know, um, it's just, it's not the kind of events that I put on. Well, I'll tell you this Saturday, I have a feeling we're not going to see that. We've got a, a great main event, uh, Israel Adesanya against Marvin Vittori. The co-main event, Davis and Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno. I forgot to ask you about that one. and I, I can't wait for that one. I think that Moreno's got a, an upper hand in that one because he's already felt Davis and Figueredo's power. This guy's one of the most fearsome guys that we've ever seen in the flyweight division. Having felt that power, I feel like he's going to have a bit of a mental edge. That, no, that's, that's a very good point, too. But on the flip side, uh, Figueredo had to cut weight twice really, really close, you know, and, and I think that affected him in that first fight, too. So we'll see how this thing plays out. But either way, that's going to be a badass fight. And apparently had food poisoning. Is that true? <laughs> that I don't know. Did he have food? Po yeah, he did have food poisoning. Yeah, what I'm hearing. Yeah, that's going to be a fun one. Looking forward to that. And of course, Nate Diaz coming back facing Leon Edwards. Five round fight. Looking forward to that one as well. Dana, thank you for your time. Thanks for having me, buddy. I'm now joined by the UFC middleweight champion of the world, undefeated. He's Israel Adesanya. First fight, you watched it on Countdown with Eugene Behrman, the first fight between you and Vittori. And I, I could see how you won the first and second, and I think that's without any sort of debate. Third round, kind of close if you're taking damage into account. Where do you think you're most improved, and where do you think he's most improved? Because to me, it looks like two different fighters now. I mean, okay, well, from that fight, you look at both our runs. You look at his run from that fight. You look at my run from that fight, um, you can tell definitely who's improved the most um, out of the two fighters because we're not even fighting the same level guys. I can name two people he's fought that I actually know of. The rest are all just unknowns or unranked. And you can name every single person I've fought since that fight. Um, yeah, we're not the same. So if you look at it just from skill, skill for skill, what do you think he's gotten better at since then, um, I guess, the most? The most, honestly, he just switched up his takedowns. But we figured it out already. He just switched it up a bit. But like I said, we've, we figured it out. So the first one, he was using a lot of Greco techniques. You pointed that out when you were, you were with Coach watching that. What does <laughs> he switch to now? What's, what's his bread and butter that, uh, that you've been looking at and noticing in terms of the nuances of his takedown uh, attacks? You'll see Saturday night. You see them get countered on Saturday night. You said something that was interesting to me, that his loss to you is the biggest win of his career when he talks about it. And I thought that was an interesting point. And you credit Kamaru Usman for beating Jorge Masvidal inside the distance and ending the conversation. How big of a priority is it for you to get the finish for that reason? Either that or I beat him uh, like I did to Virus, just 5-0. Like, I want him to know that there's no way he's, he's, like, he's coming out of this a victor. I want I want him to know when he looks at me in the post fight press conference on, on YouTube or sees me on TV after this, he just knows, fuck, that guy beat me. That guy's better than me. I want him to just know that. That's that's what I want him to know. Uh when on come Sunday morning. Now I mentioned Usman before, I'm gonna mention him again here. He was recently on Hot Ones and you're an, an alum of the show. You were on with Anthony Joshua. So of the two Nigerian champions in the UFC who is better at taking the heat? And I don't mean in the cage. I'm talking about food. Oh, myself. Um, I think I handled it a lot better. But I need to do hot ones again um, in person this time. So, yeah, we'll, we'll run it back. Maybe next time I come to the States, we'll run it back and get and get that going. I'd have to agree with you. I was surprised. Usman, Usman was, was feeling it at the end. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, but... Yeah, my man, he's going back to Nigeria. I just saw a post. He's going back to Nigeria uh, soon. So when he goes back, hopefully his tolerance goes up. And, yeah, he'll be able to handle it next time. 
Paulo Costa recently made some comments about uh, how much he's paid in the UFC. And uh, apparently he's pulled out of a fight. Kelvin Gastelum's replaced him to face Jared Cannonier. Are you surprised that he's making these comments at this stage in his career? Hey, man, when you need money for child support, <laughs> any dollar counts. All right, I guess you're going to leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> going back to the, the Wachowicz fight. In kickboxing, you fought bigger opponents many times in the past, uh, as high as heavyweight. But with, with MMA, of course, and grappling being involved, when Jan had top control, did he feel heavier to you than you expected? Um, yes, because he put the pressure on, and he didn't really try and do anything to finish the fight until the last 10 seconds when he heard the clapper of the last round. Then he kind of postured up. Um, if he had done that earlier on, postured up, that would have given me because I, I think he knew that if he gave me any space, I'd slip out. So he just stayed really heavy on me on purpose and used his size, which was smarter than him. And he did just enough so the referee didn't stand it back up because he knew if I stood it back up, it was, uh, yeah, he was in danger. I'm going to go back to earlier in this conversation where I talked about you and Coach Behrman watching Marvin Vittori in the first fight. And your comments when he was in, uh, on, on top in the third round was, where's the damage? Where, where's, where are we seeing any sort of damage here? The scoring criteria, of course, favors damage above all else. Are you happy to see that the judges are starting to kind of adjust how they judge these fights where control is not going to matter as much if they're not doing anything with it? Yes, I am. Because um, even the commentators at the time were saying, um, yeah, where's the, you know, he's not really doing much on top. He's just kind of laying there. And like I said, I got back up and I went at him and I attacked him. And I, yeah, I was owning him. Do you think that that's Vittori's best path to victory, is to try to get you down there and just try to control you as much as possible uh, and, and hopefully try to do some sort of damage along the way if he wants to win rounds? Mm, I don't know. On the feet, though, do you think he has anything for you? Do you think that he's going to have anything that you haven't seen before? No, not at all. He did in the first fight, but I was able to adapt to it like on the fly um, because I've never seen someone throw what he threw at me there's a technique he used, and I was like, huh. But I was able to adapt to it on the fly without ever seeing it before. So, especially from Southpaw. Um, but, yeah, I'm kind of hoping he just tries to surprise me and switch orthodox this fight. It would be really interesting to see if he can, like, <laughs> he thinks he's going to get the jump on me. I'm like, right, I welcome this. <clears throat> you have a lot of impressive skills, but one that a lot of people don't talk about was shown off in your YouTube, uh, your YouTube channel that your brother David has been helping you with. You got on the flight to L.A., and you slept the whole time again. I don't know how you managed to do it. You were able to sleep for an entire flight from Oceania to North America like clockwork. What is the secret? Edibles. <laughs> I was hoping the answer was going to be something a little bit less simple. <laughs> so that's the secret. That's your secret to, uh, to being able to sleep for, what is it, 16 hours that flight? Or masturbation, one of the two. You called it teleportation when you got off the plane. Yeah, that's the PC way of saying it. <laughs> well, but, I mean, you're at an airport for... I, I don't even want to know. Never mind. I'm not going to ask my, my follow-up question to that. Uh, <laughs> hey, man, I'm a in class. Things are different in the lounge. <laughs> that's true. You, 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 are, uh, you don't play coach anymore. Uh, Volkanovsky, he's, on, he's the coach of Tough right now. Uh, I'm sure you've been, you've been watching the episodes as they've been happening. Uh, another one airing tonight. But this show is one that I think is really tailor-made to having you as a coach. Is that something that you'd like to do in the future? Um, yeah, this was actually offered to me as well um, initially, but I, I turned it down immediately. Um, yeah, I just don't want cameras in my face that often for that long. I just feel like it will be too much for me. So, and also, yeah, they're not going to pay me enough to do that. Because, yeah. And also, that would have meant for this one, I'd have to get out of quarantine and then leave the country again within, like, five days. And the opposing coach, they, they, they gave it to me. I was just like, I'm not, I'm not going to – I don't want to – know. I just wanted to enjoy my time away from, yeah, all this. And I just don't want cameras in my face for that long. It'll be too much for me. I'm not a Kardashian. Can you tell me who the opposing coach was supposed to be? Or are you not allowed to share that? Nah. <laughs> All right. Doesn't hurt to ask. That's my job, I guess. Uh, another video I watched of yours is that uh, he watched, I think it's called The Social Dilemma, the documentary. How did that change mm -hmm. um, your, your look at social media and how you interact with it? 
I just log out. Um, I still use it, but if you notice, I don't really post as much as I used to. During fight week, I post a lot more, so you'll be seeing a lot of posts from me this week, but like, it'll be like two or three weeks, I won't post anything. Maybe a few stories here and there, but yeah, um, it's 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 definitely made me aware of um, the way the way I guess they use social media to farm for our attention. So yeah, I'm definitely aware now where I place my attention and the intent behind what. Like if I catch myself in a loop of scrolling, I'm like, I can see those little men in my head playing to try. You know, like in the like in documentary, those little dudes who are like. You know, what we used to get him back on the phone and this and that. And I'm like, oh, they got me. Shit. Now I might just log out or just close my phone, put it down. Cause I can catch myself doing that on the toilet or in bed sometimes. But at least you're aware of it now. So once you find that, once you, once you identify the monster, you can kill it. And you stop going to the recommended videos. The funny thing is, I was, I was again watching these videos of, of you. And then right after you yeah. said, I don't go to the recommended videos, I went to the recommended videos to see what more, uh, <laughs> more, more stuff of yours I can consume. <laughs> Yeah, I don't go to the recommended videos as much anymore, unless it's something I really want to see. But um, yeah, I understand. I, I see how they work now. So it was kind of good for them to put it out there. So those who want to be aware, who want to kind of get clued onto it, can be. So it was good. All right. Well, best of luck this weekend. It's the rematch yourself, Marvin Vittori, the sequel in the same building, Gila Arena or whatever it's called in Glendale, Arizona. Appreciate your time, Israel, and look forward to speaking to you again soon. Appreciate it. Thank you. He's the Italian dream, Marvin Vittori, and I'm sure this has been a dream for a long time, fighting for the UFC middleweight championship. Now, Marvin, I watched the first fight today, and when watching it, I was thinking, that's not Marvin Vittori. I mean, the, the amount that you've evolved since that first fight is remarkable. But if you were to pick one area that you've improved the, mo- the, the absolute most since then, what would it be? But you see, like, the way I am, like, I always... And this is the hardest way, I think, because a lot of people just focus on one area and then they become very good at one area, but then they leave the other one behind. The way I am, I brought all the areas up together at the same time. So it might have took a little bit longer, but now I'm I'm the most dangerous because people don't know how to prepare for me, you know? So um, so the way way I see it is just I'm a way more, um, you know, polished, like refined, complete, calculated fighter than what I was back then. It, I'm just like I I have way more like depth on what is like the fight game and you know the the uh, like about myself and everything you know. So it, I'm just like a whole different animal. You know, I still that guy, but just way more refined. And uh, and you know, it, I'm you know what, what you're gonna see June 12 is the best middleweight in the world. Well, you can see the blueprint of what you were very good at to what you became excellent at, which was, you know, pressuring. I feel like pressuring has always been your strong suit, and now that's elevated to a new level. And you look at your head movement and how much that's evolved from then till now. It really is quite remarkable to, to see those improvements. Have you gone back and watched that fight? Yeah, yeah, no, many times. You know, what? how I see that, I was 23 at that time, you know. And I kind of see that, like, I was a kid with big balls, but I didn't really have, like, the the, the you know, I had an overall knowledge of a lot of things, but I didn't have the the depth on 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 all those things, you know. And um, and now I have it, and so you know, I can I can see like I I, I can read, I can just feel everything differently, you know. I, I have I have I, I just know myself differently, and just know the game. I I have this I have this knowledge that like you know it, it's it's just a whole different. I'm just a whole different beast, you know. And um, and I can't wait. And since then, Israel's obviously improved. What do you think he's gotten better at uh, since then? Uh, what area do you think he's shown the most improvement? Yeah, like, you know, I think he, he has improved, but eventually he just got a little bit better on what he was. He didn't really add, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, he just... He became, you know, he became, a little, he became more vicious, I think... Uh, like, you know, his punches maybe hurt more just because, like, you know, like, but overall, like, he's pretty much the same guy, you know, as much as much as I watch him, you know, he's pretty much the same guy. And, and you know, that that's, that's his ceiling, you know, like, he, he's never going to learn 
grappling. He's not going to learn like jujitsu. He's striking, you know, he's striking has been working that way. He's not going to, he hasn't really changed it, I think, you know? So um, that's what I think. And, um, and that's why I'm going to beat him, you know? He's, listen, I, I really feel like everybody and himself also, like, He's not gonna. He's not gonna feel the way he would like to feel. He, he's gonna go back after first round. He's like, "Fuck, I'm not. I was not expecting this." And um, you know, it's it's gonna be amazing. I, I, I'm. It's gonna look like I am the champion from the first second in there. You know, I'm gonna be the king of that cage. Now, there's, there's no secret that uh, Robert Whitaker was actually offered the shot before you. But here's the weird thing: I watched the video of you on Michael Bisping's show. It was right after you'd beaten Kevin Holland, and you knew that Kelvin was going to face Whitaker. But you said, if Whitaker wins this fight, he doesn't want to fight Israel, and I'm going to get the title shot. And that ended up being very prophetic. But what, what made you believe that when you said it in the interview? And listen, I, I, I have feeling for these things. I have feeling, and I, I can tell when somebody's really hungry, is really is wanting to, to, you know, to put it all in the line, to put it all on the line for for something, or where somebody's not, you know. And, you know, I proved myself right a lot of times. And I proved Israel wrong many, many times. And um, I just knew, man. I just knew. Like, you know, he was never like, if if Israel wanted to fight that early, then uh, Robert wasn't wasn't willing to, to step around that early, you know. And I even said it right after the Blackovich fight. I was like, I'm going to be Israel next fight. He just doesn't even, he just doesn't know it yet. And when I watched the Blahovich fight and I watched your first fight with Israel, I look at what you did to Israel in the third round of that fight. And I see that Jan has taken a little bit of that strategy into that fight that he just had with Israel. Now you've seen somebody beat Israel with Jan. How much do you take from that fight? Have you gone and watched Jan Blahovich's win and looked at some holes that maybe hadn't been fully exposed uh, in Israel's game? You know, I it was just a confirmation on on, on a lot of things. I feel like, uh, um, you know, they 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 tried to picture Israel in in uh, bigger than what he is. They even they even uh, like you know show like show that like his height is higher than what he is. Like his real height is not six four. You know, like they they tried to build this image where like this guy was like you know undefeated, like you know so slick, so good. And I said it multiple times. It, it, it's all hype, you know. And uh, I don't believe hype. I, I I don't believe to the hype, you know. It, you know, this guy lost many times. He's been knocked out almost. You know, he's been knocked out in kickboxing. I don't even know. Probably lost in boxing too. Now he lost in MMA. He lost against me. I mean, you know, like, you know, he's not. He's not Terence Crawford. He's not like Floyd Mayweather. He's not like. You know, like 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 uh, Sugar Ray Lamb. It's, it's not this guy. Hell no. He's not. You know, he's. I'll beat this guy, and I'll show everybody that you know, I'm better than the, than him, and um, and shut everybody off. You know. Well, I think in MMA you'd roll through those other guys you mentioned as well. So I mean, not to take anything away from Terence Crawford or Floyd Mayweather, but we know who has the more well-rounded game when it comes to boxers versus mixed martial artists. Uh, oh yeah, we... no, of course. Yeah. And I'm just saying, but in terms of like skills, you know, like. I got and it. In I, terms I, of the level, talk, and I and I just talk about boxing because I don't want to like, you know, MMA is my field. I want to. I don't want to like uh, like upset anybody in that sense, on like who like gold gold status and shit. You know. Now I heard something that you said uh, also in an interview where you don't really like having a set strategy going into fights because you feel like if that strategy fails, a lot of people kind of crumble. Uh, is that the kind of the approach you're taking for this one as well? No, I mean I feel like uh, we we like you have to. Um, to have an overall strategy, but that strategy has to be open to a lot of adjustments. But the reality is that you know you have to you, you need to have the ability to to do the, those adjustments because that's the hardest part, actually. You know, obviously you can't go in in a fight saying, "Oh, I'm gonna do this, this, and this." But what if the other guy does something different? Like you cannot you cannot predict all the var all the all the variables. It's just impossible. So you can have like an overall strategy. And, and approach to the fight, but then you have to also be able to adjust 
in the fight, you know, and, and that's, and that's the skill that nobody can teach you, but you can just, you know, learn with, with, um, with, with experience and, 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 and by knowing yourself and, and, and training every day and fighting throughout the years. So yeah, that's what I mean by that. Now, a lot of people talk about you being an emotional guy, and that's undoubtedly true in, in some regards, but having spoken to you a couple times, of course, leading into your last fight and this fight, I get the sense that you're not giving enough credit for how, much, how cerebral you are, how much of a mental, uh, a focus you put on the mental game. Do you feel like people overlook that when they look at you? I think so, but I like it that way. You know, I like it that way. I, and, I, and I'm riding that way because, you know, like, I think it's good, you know. <laughs> the art of war is the art of deception, so it's actually great, you know. But, uh, but... I am emotional when, when it comes to like, you know, to certain things, but, um, because, because I am, you know, I, I get upset and, and, and I want to do something right there. But, um, but then, you know, when, when it's fight, it's, you know, in fighting, I'm, I'm a whole, I'm a, I'm a, I'm just, just the genius of fighting, man. I think I have the highest IQ of fighting that, you know, just, just very few can match my IQ in fighting. So, uh, whatever, whatever, and and you know, whatever the people say, you know, I don't really, I don't really pay too much attention to that either. Do you feel like you've gotten a better grasp of your emotions when you're in the cage? Watching that first fight with Israel, when he would get you with a good one, I could tell that you wanted to get him back. That, that it was important for you to, to you know, you knew that he gave you a good one and you needed to reciprocate that. But I feel like this current version of Marvin Vittori won't necessarily react that same way. You know, it, it, it's a matter of feeling in there. You know, it's um, it's 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 also feeling. So we'll see. You know, we'll see. I think I'll think I'll be the one to frustrate him more than him. You know, so it's uh, it's gonna be fun. I like that mindset going into it because uh, we we saw in his last fight he was he got frustrated against Jan Bojovic. We saw how that one ended. Uh, best of luck to you. Main event. UFC 263, it's uh, in the same building, same cage Absolutely. as the first fight. So uh, hopefully, if it, you know, if it starts like the first one, you'll have two more rounds to build upon uh, what you were doing in that third round. Uh, best of luck to you. And, uh, Thank you very much. Congratulations on all your success. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right, representing the 209 is the enigmatic Nate Diaz. Nate, thanks for doing this. You just took a swig of apple cider vinegar right before we got started. Are you doing okay? It's good for you. <laughs> it is clears the system right out well uh thank you for doing this appreciate you and uh we got a big fight of course leon edwards uh this weekend at ufc 263 now why leon i know that you're very picky about who your opponents are going to be why was leon edwards the right fit for you uh i was trying to fight all year i was trying to get a, a big fight and like one of the names some of these guys are all <laughs> playing dodge moves all year long so uh Nobody wanted to take the fight, so I found the best. He's the one getting all the wins and doing all this stuff, and uh, that'd be the best fight fight to take. Let people know I'm not around. Now, beating Leon's obviously the immediate goal, but I'm thinking you're looking at this with a big picture. You always have a big picture goal in mind. What is that big picture goal if you beat Leon? The biggest possible thing that comes up at the moment, I figure we'll figure it out as we go. But like you said, right now we're just here to get this done and get the show going and keep the show moving. What do you think Leon does really well in terms of whether it's on the feet, on the ground? What do you think is his specialty? I think he's pretty well-rounded everywhere. He likes to just get through the fight and uh, stay ahead and be ahead and, and uh, make sure he's winning. He's good at winning, so uh, I'm coming to win. You've always said you view yourself as a belt. Like, you're your own division. What would it take for somebody to get a fight for the Nate Diaz belt in your division? What, what, what do you look for in a potential opponent? Like I said, I want the biggest fight I could possibly get and the biggest name. And um, all these guys with the big names, they're like, well, somewhat big names. Whatever they consider big, they think they're going to look big for their britches. So I'm like, <laughs> well, I'll just fight the best fighter that I can find if I None of these guys won a squad. We had Dustin dodging me left and right. Uh, Connor dodged me for years and years. Uh, Masvidal was playing like he wanted to get rematches. We did our own thing, which is cool. Whatever they want to do, what they got to do. But then, in the end of the day, 
everybody wants to come back and fight me anyway, so how am I not the title fight? Uh, and I'm not going anywhere. I feel like these guys, a lot of them, they peek out, do their biggest things, then they fight me, and they're the biggest thing they ever did, and then they run off like they're some hot shit, but they'll be on a downfall two fights later, and we won't hear much from them anymore, and uh, that's when I come into play. I always come rolling back in because I'm going to be here till the end of time, still fighting, still going forward, and still getting better. And uh, that's what I that's what I think about. I don't even remember the question, but that's what that's what I started thinking about when you when you asked. We're talking about the the Nate Diaz division, but let me throw some names at you. You give me your immediate reaction to that name, Kamaru Usman. That's a seventy pound champ, <laughs> right? That's the guy. What do you think of him? Uh, I don't think much of, I don't think about him, <laughs> but uh, he's had some good fights his last, last however many fights, still good. What about Colby Covington? Don't really know much about him. <laughs> Here's a guy I think you'll like, Charles Oliveira. Oliveira's all right, he's doing his thing, he just won the title, that was a good job. Didn't he just beat Chandler, right? Yeah. How did he win? Yeah, knocked him out in the second round. Yeah, <laughs> that was a good job. What about Justin Gaethje? Next. Nick Diaz. Not as an opponent, just as a fighter. I need to go. If you were booking his next fight, who would it be against? I can't tell you. I don't know. Uh, I would say, I'd say George St. Pierre. Uh, probably the winner of this fight uh, in the main event. Saturday. Um... John Jones, I don't know. Well, I don't think Nick's not pushing two bills right now, is he? I can't tell you uh, what's going on in here, dog, like that. <laughs> <laughs> you have to see for yourself. All right, my colleague, Robin Black, he's doing a feature on you for Sports Center this week called Nate Diaz, Genius of Combat. Are you, a, are you a genius, Nate Diaz? Of combat? Yeah. What do you think it takes to be a genius of combat? I don't know. I was born in this, this life, so it's just like... They testify this daily, and then uh, as time goes by, I just realize not even that I'm ahead of everybody, but how much everybody else is sliding. It's easy. That gives you the answer that you're looking for. Gilbert Melendez has been helping you out again for this camp. Uh, I know that you guys live in different cities. He's come down to help you for this camp. What's it like to, to have him back and relive some of the good old days of training? It's good, but uh, he always is anyway. Just the cameras were on this time. So it's cool. It's good to have Gilbert around always. Uh, Jake's going to be out here. I haven't seen Jake in a while because he's been living in Vegas. So that's that's going to be cool to see him. Do you have a favorite fighter that's uh, other than your brother? Like, Are there fighters that you like to watch in MMA that you that you appreciate? Yeah, I'm more old school, though. I like the old school guys. I'm, I'm all Hicks and Gracie, Hendo Gracie. Uh, I, I was a big fan of uh, talking to Origami when I was younger and BJ Penn. And... Um, and uh, the the way that fighting has been going over the last year, everybody's turning into GSPs and Floyd Mayweather and Leon Edwards. And uh, it's it's hard to just be like, I like that. I like that people can win and figure it out, but I, I, I'm a fan of real martial arts, real fighting. And uh, I feel like I'm probably the last of that dying breed. So it's hard to, like, uh, be over, over over and pumped up on anybody nowadays until they do something good and impressive but it's hard to hard to take them out right now now if people want to rep you they have to rep you hard rephard.com you have a lot of gear up now i know these are sold out so i don't want to get people's hopes up but there are, were uh, nate diaz nunchucks who came up with this idea well my brother's been on nunchucks his whole life when we were young we used to make nunchucks all day long at the house and uh it just became a part uh, of the of the whole brand, the whole game, the whole the whole the whole ninja journey. So it was a good idea by my guy that represented. Just put it together and made, made some nunchucks. So it's cool. Yesterday we had this boxing exhibition. Uh, Floyd Mayweather against Logan Paul. What do you think of these kind of boxing matchups with these these YouTube guys coming in and uh, and doing the sport and selling pay per views? I think it's cool. I like it. Um, I, I think uh, I have a lot to do with what the hell is going on with all that. We had my brother 
I think we were putting it on the super fights and giving people a, the idea a long time ago. Anyways, it just it took this long for people to catch up. Remember, I said I don't. I'm. I feel like I'm the God of War. I'm not so much because of how much I'm I'm doing and better than anybody, but how much everybody else is slacking. So when I'm calling out big fights and making big fights and making them happen, I think that's what where even the YouTubers and the everybody understanding that these are the big fights that people want to see and that's what I want to see is that's why I said I'm like if I can't find a name that people want to see me fight then I gotta fight somebody like Leon Edwards who's the guy who's just winning and then when you whip someone like that then you can be like now listen this is what's what and that's why things happening with the whole YouTube I believe I had a big reason and why that's all happening too even though uh they're not giving me no credit for it. I ain't asking for it. I'm just gonna take it. Don't nobody want to just see these same old fights every day. Number four, number seven. Not all these no personality having fighters. I'm like, they want to see a real fight. Some other, some other fighter who's coming with something that people want to see. You know, and that's that's what I'm into, is uh, whipping that type of who everybody wants to either see this with or things that they're unstoppable and that's that's uh that's just fight game can you elaborate on that what do you mean like i just said i think i put, put a lot of game uh, blueprint out there Remember when i said like the whole game's gonna change and they're all like hey how do you mean i think it's changing right now and that's kind of what i meant at the time i was like people gotta understand like don't nobody want to just see these same old fights every day number four number seven not all these unknown personality having fighters I'm like, they want to see a real fight some other some other fighter who's coming with something that people want to see, you know? And that's that's what I'm into is uh, whipping the of a who everybody wants to either see their with or thinks that they're unstoppable. And that's, that's, uh, that's just fight game. I guess that goes right back to the Nate Diaz division. I mean, it circles right back to what we were talking about at the beginning. Yeah, I guess so, right? And finally, we got McGregor and Poirier facing off in the summer. Do you have a prediction for that fight? It's who cares? They get knocked out left and right on each other. It's it's, it's funny. Will no, you watch it? Who cares? <laughs> Will you be watching it? I watch them all anyway. I watch it. I watch everything. So, for sure. All right, Nate. Well, best of luck against Leon Edwards. Always uh, great getting some of your time. Uh, appreciate it. And I look forward to speaking with you again in the future. Right on. Thanks for calling. Well, Muhammad is back in action this weekend. He's got a very interesting fight against Demian Maya. I, did, uh, I put out a stat today that Demian Maya has more wins than Francis Ngannou when they've each land, landed under 10 significant strikes. Is that hard to believe? Oh, wow. That's hilarious. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's an interesting career for Damian Maya, uh, but I think that you're a very interesting matchup for him because I think as long as you can keep this on the feet and with your wrestling uh, credentials, we've seen fighters do this to Damian Maya before. You should be able to to beat him there. Is that what the strategy is? Yeah, yeah. You know, there's like a blueprint for beating him, and like all the top guys, they all stuck to the one game plan of beating him, just defending the takedowns and staying on the feet. Like, I mean, for me, I I'm not afraid to compete with them on the ground, but it's like. If I'm so good, so much better at this point, why do I want to even uh, address that? Like even you saw him last fight with Gilbert Burns where he had him in bad position. He took his back, he, he mounted him, and Gilbert Burns one of the best grapplers uh, in the UFC as well. So it's like one of those things, I'm not going to try to chance it. Or I could go the other route and, you know, jump guard on him. You should not pull, I'm, I'm pull guard on him? Coats. <laughs> yeah, I like that idea. I, 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 I would suggest that you don't do that, but it would be funny. <laughs> hey, we saw Jacare just lose by armbar, and uh, we saw the other 185-pounder get arm triangle. So it's like, it's a different game where you're going to punch in the face. <laughs> well, it's uh, certainly uh, good to see you back in the cage. Any damage to your eye uh, from that last fight that uh, could linger, or was that just kind of on that night it, it felt really bad? Uh, it was just bad for like maybe like three or four days. Uh, but thankfully, there was nothing permanent or anything like that. So uh, I'm just happy to be at another fight week again. And like you said... Damian Maia doesn't throw a lot of significant strikes, so I don't think there'll be any eye pokes this fight. Yeah, and Damian Maia is also not known for eye pokes. I don't think he's ever poked anybody <laughs> in the eye. He usually has right? a close yeah, I, think he's one of, I think he's like a, a Khabib, or like, I don't think he's ever had a foul. 
Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Uh, and this could be Demian Maia's last fight. Um, you know, do, do you take um, pride in the fact that this could be, that you could be his final opponent? Um, you know, I just take pride in having like a guy like that on my resume, you know, um, to, to fight a guy like that, to fight a guy who's fought for the title twice, who's respected by literally every fighter in the UFC and everybody knows who he is. He's just one of those guys that you automatically respect for everything he's done in the sport. So like for me to be able to fight a legend like that um, before he's out of here, it's good. It's an honor, honestly. It's good. Now, myself and a lot of others thought you should have gotten the Leon Edwards rematch. I mean, Leon talks about how he had a lot of success in one round, but one round is one round of a five-round fight, and you're known for your cardio. That being said, when they called you and offered you Demian Maia, was part of the deal that, you know, if you're not going to get Leon Edwards, you'll still get someone ranked above you? Uh, I mean, I, I wish there was some sort of deal like that. I, yeah, like I was, I was surprised that they didn't do it, and I know that he was just campaigning for other people and trying to think it wasn't worth his time, but... Like I said, there was really nothing in that one round that showed anything. And uh, that's what really angers me the most out of it. It's because he's sitting there trying to set this narrative that it was such a dominant, it would have been a dominant victory anyway. And, you know, a lot of people would just like listen to what he says and they believe it. But um, yeah, for me, it's just brushing that under the rug, focusing on uh, the next challenge. Uh, to fight a, a guy like Damian Maya, like you can't sit there and underestimate him or anything like that. And um, I don't want to look past him at all and say, oh, I, I need this rematch. I need this. I need this. Um, so I want to just focus on him first, and then I'm going to go back to setting my sights on uh, Leon. It is weird, though. I mean, you are somebody who has always been known to pick up steam as the fight goes on. Do you feel like people just haven't watched most of your fights? I, I mean, I don't know why that narrative exists. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I was like, wait, what? Like, literally one round is like, it's, for for me, I'm the type of guy, literally in the third round is when I actually start opening, opening up. And I've always wanted to just do a five-round fight just so people could see how I compete in those last two rounds, championship rounds. And like I said, but it's like one of those where this guy's saying this, oh, well, I was dominating the fight, yada, yada, yada. And then people are not going to go back and rewatch it or and think like, oh, wait, no. No, he wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't a dominant. What is this guy talking about? But uh, you know, for for him, it's more so just people just didn't believe it in the first place that I deserved that fight because it was three against thirteen, and people are so used to like watching other sports and expecting uh, a number three ranked thing to be way better than a number thirteen ranked thing. So it, I think that all played into the narrative of why they didn't want that fight to happen again. Now, I watched you in the great Anatomy of a Fighter series that uh, Will Harris puts together. And one thing really stuck out to me about what you, when you were talking about Demian, which was that if he gets you in a bad position, it's better for you to almost lose the round and not take a, a big risk to get up than to you know, tr- try to get, get playful and, and give up your back. Um, do, you, do you think that that's something that could happen in this fight? That you know, if, he gets your, if he gets your back in the first round or he gets top control in the first round, you, you just kind of relax wait for things to happen and, and don't try to get too uh, crazy about trying to get up? Yeah, you know, it's more so about just staying calm in bad positions, being uncomfortable in uncomfortable spots. Um, I feel like he's one of those guys who takes advantage of guys when they're in those bad spots and they feel that they have to explode up or um, the clock's ticking and then you start getting nervous and you start thinking, oh, I lost this run, I need to move, I need to move, I need to move. And like I said, he's not the most explosive guy. He's not the strongest guy, but he knows how to take advantage of you in certain positions. So for me, it's just staying calm and being a, a, a veteran in, in bad spots. Like you even saw with like the Kamaru Usman spot in that first round when he had that hard wizard on him. A lot of people would have let that wizard go and try to think they had to explode out. And then you never know. That, that whole, his whole story of his career could have changed with that one mode right there. If he got nervous or if he panicked the next spot, he didn't panic. He stayed there. He showed a championship mentality, and that's what I need to show in bad spots if it does happen there. But I'm not planning on being in bad spots, but if it does, I'll be ready. You had Gerald Mearshart come in and train with you, and Gerald Mearshart is a 185-pounder, but not uh, in the offseason. He's not a 185-pounder. You, you had him uh, do, you know, do, do all kinds of different grappling drills with you. Uh, how much do you think that's going to help you going into this fight to have somebody of that size um, you know, trying all kinds of different positions in practice? Uh, I mean, it helps me a lot. Gerald's one of those guys who literally has the most submissions in middleweight history. So he knows how to use submissions in a fight. Like, there's a lot of black belts out there that they can fight and never get a submission because they don't know how to. It's MMA, it's MMA 
jiu-jitsu. And that's what Gerald's great at is MMA jiu-jitsu. And he's also great at, like, explaining things to you in a certain way or uh, dumbing a lot of things down. And that's what we did a lot this camp is just dumbing situations down. It's not like I'm not going to sit there and have him teach me years and years of jiu-jitsu to try to learn all these moves that Damian Maya could do. He, he made them more so where it's we're going to keep it simple. We're going to avoid this spot right here. We're going to avoid this spot right here. You don't need to learn uh, the rolls, Aminari rolls or anything crazy like that to say, oh, I, I, I've been doing nothing but jiu-jitsu. I put my gi on for eight weeks for this camp. No, it was more so setting up spots and being um, ready for whatever he's going to bring to me. I haven't spoken to Gerald in a minute. Did they have the baby? Yeah, yeah. Gerald uh, had the baby. That was the thing. Because I was like, man, uh, he's like two-hour drive for me. So, like, he would drive and then go back home. But I'm like, dude, just stay over at my house. He's like, oh, man, I can't, dude. I'm on daddy duty. My freaking my wife will kill me if I uh, if I stay over at night. I'm like, you can't even get no lunch? He's like, man, I got to go. I got to go. I was like, all right. Yeah, I've been there traveling to cover UFC events with a, a baby at home. It's, yeah, it, it's, it's, not, it's fun to be away from them because it's, you know, a lot of work. But you, you get hit with the shrapnel from home when you're on the road. <laughs> yeah, he was like so afraid. I'm like, dang, look at this guy right here. That afraid. He has to go home right now. I empathize with Gerald. Go easy on the guy. You don't have a kid, right? So, I mean, you, you don't know. You don't know. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> and I have one more question about one of your training partners. How does Ignacio Bahamondas make 155 pounds? <laughs> yeah, he's huge. He's a big boy. Um, like I said, it, but for for him, it's it takes weeks. So like, he's not gonna be one of those guys that takes a, a two week notice fight or anything like that. And that's why I tell him all, all the time too. Like, you're seeing it nowadays where guys are, are gonna be moving up in weight class um, and just being more comfortable where they're not cutting that much weight. But for him, he's a hard worker. He's still super young. He's still a young kid. He's still growing into his body. So like, honestly, he could probably be 85 by the end of his career. But, uh, yeah, it's crazy. He, he, when I, whenever I see him outside of camp and I'm looking at him, I'm like, bro, how the heck are you going to make 155? But, like, it's once he starts dieting and eating cleaner, like, the weight honestly just comes off of him because he works so hard. He works, like, three times a day, training three times a day. So, like, he needs to, like, eat to put, keep the weight on type of thing. Yeah, I'm guessing he's probably heavier than you are in terms of, like, even, even in the off season. Would, would I be wrong on that? Oh no, yeah, he's he's heavier. He's one of those, uh, the one of the biggest lightweights I've seen ever seen was uh, like out of camp was Paul, yeah. Paul Felder was big mm -hmm. out of out of camp. Mm -hmm. And then I saw him, I was like, oh crap. And then I saw, yeah, you said Kiesa. You're looking at him like, how the freak did you ever make 155? <laughs> like it makes no sense. I remember somebody pulled out of a fight uh, at 155 uh, on the weekend. Like it was a pretty big fight, and I walked up to him. I saw him backstage, and I said, "Hey, would you have taken that fight on short notice?" He goes, "I probably would have, but I weigh 195 pounds right now." I said, "You wouldn't have taken." I mean, it's nice of you to say you would have, yeah. but you're you're not taking that fight if you you have to cut 40 pounds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and finally, I want to issue an open challenge. I mean, you, I watch. Uh, did I, I think did I lose you? I think you're there. Someone's probably calling you. Oh, right uh, sorry. Uh, I was getting a call. It's all good. Um, I watch Remember the Show uh, with yourself and Jason Anik. I'm, I'm issuing an open challenge. You always have fighters on. You don't have media members on. I'm, I'm issuing an open challenge to any media member that wants to face me on Remember the Show. I watch this and I, 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 do. I do well. I do well at all of these questions. And I feel like I can hold my own against any other media member out there. Dude, now we're talking. Now, see, now I can set that up. I, I like that. For me, it's like guys that get excited about being on a show like that. That's Our best shows are like those guys that are competitive. So, hey. All right, I'm going to get you a chance. I'm going to get you a good competitor. All right, I appreciate that. You know, we're competitive too in media. We just can't beat anybody up. But, I mean, in a game show, at, at that, you know, then we can kind of figure things out in terms of trivia. Uh, but I love Remember the Show. I would recommend people check it out on YouTube. I always bother you about getting an audio version out there, but I should probably be bothering Anik and not you about that. But uh, it's, a, it's a fun show. They actually messaged me today that we're, gonna, we're working on it, uh, getting the audio version out there, though. All right, well, you'll have a subscriber in me because it's a lot of fun to watch and a lot of fun to listen to. Uh, thanks for doing this. Best of luck this weekend against Demi and Maya. Always appreciate your time. Thank you, bro. Appreciate you. I'm now joined by one of the top Canadians in mixed martial arts. He's Hakeem Dawudu. Big fight this weekend. Movsar Evloev. Are you the one, only one accepting fights against all these wrestling-based fighters in the division? There are so many great strikers, and it seems like they keep sticking you with all the wrestlers. Yeah, man. Um, you know, uh, I was originally I was supposed to fight uh, Shane Burgos back in January, tore my shoulder, and you know this was the offer I got after that, and uh, you know it's very similar to the last fight I had actually. 
Yeah, he's he's a ranked guy, so it's obviously good for your standing if you're able to beat a guy like that. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. I'm ranked number 15. He's ranked number 14. So, you know, this is definitely uh, whoever whoever wins this fight gets to move up, and that's going to be me. Is the shoulder injury the worst injury you've ever had in your career? Yeah. You know, I, I've never – I want to knock on wood, but I've never had any type of concussions. Um, you know, I've never had, you know, any bones break. So, so yeah, the, the shoulder tear was definitely uh, the worst thing I've ever had to deal with. It wasn't something I could really just rest and, uh, you know, sleep on it and be better. So, yeah, that was definitely uh, one of the worst things I had to deal with. And what was rehabbing at life? And how does it feel now? Does it feel like way better than it has for several years? Uh, yeah, no, the rehab was nice. You know, I got it to, uh, you know, almost 100% back where I need to be. It feels strong. But I'm taking a step further to make sure it doesn't happen again after this fight. I'm set up at the UFC PI. We're going to work on some stem cells back to 100% and uh, make sure uh, I never have to pull out of a fight again. Yeah, I know that it's not in your nature to pull out a fight, so I figured it must be a pretty serious injury. Uh, are you looking to get something that in your was book? The first Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, that my that uh, the Shane Burgos fight, that was the first fight I've ever pulled out in in my life. You know what I mean? Uh so yeah, it was it was frustrating. So the way I see it after this fight, I get my win. Um literally on the Monday they got me booked for a consultant to start working on me right away and um I see myself maybe doing a month of rehab, so I would like to be in there like 4 months right after. How hard was it to pull out of that fight? I mean, I'm, were you looking to, to fight through it if you could? I was trying to fight through it. I was really trying to fight through it. Like, you know what I mean? I really wanted to. And uh, I was I was even training for a bit there, not throwing my right hand, just using my left hand only. And my buddy was like, you know what? You know, one of my coaches were like, this is a top 10 fight. Like, it's okay. I think the UFC will understand. They know you're not one of those dudes to be, you know, pulling out for no reason. So, my pride was a little bit hurt. I didn't want anyone to think like, you know, I don't know what people, you know, never know what people be thinking. But yeah, um, it was it was definitely uh, new territory for me and something I, I never want to have to do again. Did you reach out to Shane Burgos afterwards? Because if anybody's going to be an understanding guy, it's it's him. He's a very nice guy. I uh, know we we haven't talked. You know what I mean? I he had a fight booked up afterwards with um with uh Edson Barbosa. And yeah, I, I haven't I haven't talked to him yet, but uh, you know I think he understands how the game goes. What did you think of how that fight ended? I, I haven't seen a, a finish like that in, in I don't know if I've ever seen a finish like that where a guy just kind of stumbles backwards and kind of loses control of his body. Um, you know, yeah, you don't really see it. You haven't seen it too much in the UFC, but you know, back in my Muay Thai kickboxing days. I'm not saying it's common, but I've seen it three, four times before. It's it's a it's a delayed response. It usually can happen from really heavy sparring, you know. So if you're having really heavy sparring, taking a lot of trauma, no matter how you could tell he was in such good shape, he was willing to try and recover. Like his his uh, his body was in such good shape, you could see he was trying to you know move forward. But you know you can't take that many shots to the head, or and uh, you know consequences are going to happen and that's what it looked like to me it seems like right now the judges are starting to buy in a little bit more with the the scoring criteria and, and really enforcing damage against a wrestling based mm -hmm. fighter like evloev is that something that you that you like to see where you know if, if even if he's able to control you for two three minutes on the ground if you're landing more damage you're going to get that round yeah definitely you know i think damage is 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 everything but at the same time, I don't see him controlling me at all. You know what I mean? I'm a, I'm a complete mixed martial artist. This is my my third or fourth time fighting a, a Dagestani in MMA. This is like my tenth time fighting a, a Russian. So you know, I don't I don't uh, I don't plan on giving any minute of this fight up at all. And I'm I'm in great shape. I feel really strong, and uh, I, I plan on controlling the match and dictating the pace. You said you're hoping to turn around pretty quickly, about four months. When you look at the featherweight division, there's a lot of the, these guys are already booked. You got Holloway's booked against Yair. Championship bout is booked. Is there anybody that you have your eye on that right now does not have a booking? I mean, we mentioned Barboza before. I think that would be a fun one. Yeah, you know, um, I've sparred with Barboza before. He's a good fighter. Um, you know, I just want to get healed up, and I'd, I'd love to uh, take a shot at this guy that anyone's ducking um, um I don't know if I'm pronouncing that Giga, Giga, whatever his name is. Giga Gaga. Yeah, you know what I mean? Um, you know, 
I, I think, you know, after I'm all healed up, it'd be a perfect time for me to go against a striker and, and finally have a striking match. Yeah, I mean, he's a high-level striker. He was a glory kickboxer, but of course, you have your Muay Thai title, so this is not nothing out of the ordinary for you. No, I'm, I'm a high-level striker, you know what I mean? And uh, I was world Muay Thai champion. I was... Uh, 42 and 5 as an am i went 9 and 0 am and a pro world titleist uh gold medal in the ifmas uh multiple gold medals silver medals in the ifma world championship so it, it's it's nothing i'm worried about yeah it's a match made in heaven have you seen him around i think he might be there with vittori um i haven't seen him around no i haven't seen him around but you know regardless you know i think that's uh i think it's about time for me to start getting some exciting striking matches you know, after I beat this uh, this Russian, I think it's, you know, time to start putting me up with some strikers, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I watched your interview with uh, MMA Mania uh, sh uh, with Shaq Majuri, and you, you were talking about your uh, your favorite rappers right now, and you basically railed off the entire Griselda gang. Do you have a favorite among them? Uh, I don't want to pick favorites, but, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm big on Conway the Machine and Benny the Butcher and West Side Gun. You know, I mean, uh, not saying in any order, but, you know, they all got their different styles. And uh, I just really like that movement right now. Really lyrical, not mumbling. You know what I mean? Uh, trying different beats out. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a really cool movement. And uh, they happen to, you know, stay in touch with me. Well, that makes two of us. Well, not staying in touch, but I've got my, my uh, From a King to a God vinyl right here. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's, a, good, that's a good that's album. Cool. I mean, these guys are putting out... Just hit after hit after hit. They don't. These guys don't miss. Yeah, yeah, they really haven't been missing. So it's it, it's crazy, you know what I mean. So I messaged them, told them I'll be coming out to one of their songs, and they said respect. Uh, Benny said he wanted to make it out, but you know, obviously, uh, you know, he's probably busy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's it's good to see that those guys have your back, and uh, you know, nobody's putting out better stuff right now. They've got a real old school sound, which is cool. I mean, we were seeing a lot of. I guess the you know trap and a lot of the the stuff with the vocoders they're not they're not about that stuff. Yeah, you know what I mean. I'm getting sick of that stuff, and it's nice to just listen to some real lyricists and uh, hip hop artists and really performing the art, not just so focused on the beat and the chorus and the mumbling. You know what I mean? You just you get you get tired of hearing that. You know that stuff's good in the club and and whatnot, but you know when you're just chilling and driving around, it's nice to actually listen to real music. I've got a tip for you. Take like a future album and speed it up to like one and a half speed. It's, it sounds good. It's weird. It's like, like you mentioned, it's slow. But if you speed it up, it sounds like it sounds more normal for some reason. Oh, really? I'll, I'll give that a try. I've never, I've never heard of that before. I, I never really listened to Future too, too much. You know what I mean? I just heard some of his big tracks. You know, I'm not, I'm not a, the biggest fan of the, the, the auto tune. Yeah, I'm with you on that. All right. Well, we, before we get too sidetracked, I want to wish you the best of luck this weekend. Uh, you know, you're one of the biggest names in Canadian mixed martial arts right now, and uh, you're against Malchar Evlo. The sky's the limit with you. We're looking forward to seeing you compete. And uh, we'll give Giga Jakadze a shout. I like that matchup. Win or lose, I like that matchup. But losing is not yeah. an option, of course. Right? I don't want to put that, put that bad energy out there. Yeah, losing yeah, is losing not an option. So thank you for having me, man. And I, I plan on putting on a performance this, this Saturday. A huge thank you to all of our guests on the TSN MMA show, interview edition, UFC president Dana White, middleweight champion Israel Adesanya, middleweight title challenger Marvin Vittori, Bilal Muhammad, Nate Diaz. A big thank you to everybody for joining us on this all-star edition of the TSN MMA show, just packed with great names. Hopefully you enjoyed them. Hopefully you also listened to the standard edition of the TSN MMA show, myself and Bazooka Joe Valtellini breaking down UFC 263 this coming weekend. And hey, Joe's the voice of glory. A big signing in glory this week. It's nice to see the wheels back in motion in the world of kickboxing. We'll talk about that as well as many other things. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll be back next week with more interviews. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.